I have had the great pleasure of traveling throughout the United States and around the world. And I don't know that I've ever come across one city where the paranormal is so romanticized, where you come face to face with spirits of pirates and voodoo priestesses and stories of werewolves walking amongst us, vampires in the bars and city roaming the streets. Obviously, it drew the attention of Anne Rice and so many other filmmakers as they have put so many different movies based in and around the city. Is it because it's a well-earned reputation and there really is that much activity? Or is this another one of those moments where things just perfectly melded together to create a fable bigger than the reality of the situation and the city? Well, tonight we're going to find out about that. Jonathan Foray joins us. Jennifer Talley joins us. We're going to be talking monsters, myths, legends, and coming face to face with ghosts in the very creepy and wonderful town of New Orleans. We'll do that next right here on the best in paranormal talk radio. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is my Paranormal 60. I'm not going to stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. little darklings you know how i love to travel you know how i like visiting all of these strange and unusual cities and states and as i said in the beginning there doesn't seem to be any that are as active or as popular as new orleans that's why later on this year you can join me for the new orleans it is a grand slam of supernatural activity we'll be looking into the history of some of the most famous hauntings voodoo vampires and the rougarou what the hell is a Rougarou? It sounds Australian for beer, but it's not. It's a werewolf. We'll talk about that. We've got interesting things coming up, and I want you to be a part of this tour. November 8th through the 17th, you can get steeped in the legend and lore of New Orleans with me. It's going to be amazing. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and I'd like to share it with you. You can find more information by going to darknessevents.com. That's darknessevents.com. Dot com. Don't hesitate because there are less than 20 spots that remain open for this. We are leaving it open for only 30. We've just put it out there. 20 spots remain available. We want to see you join us on this travel and get a chance to see some of the most incredible locations. Myrtle's Plantation. Everybody that's anybody that knows about the paranormal and has been watching paranormal on TV recognizes the Myrtle's Plantation as probably one of the top 10 most haunted locations reportedly in the United States. Well, this is your chance to go with me and investigate the claims for ourselves. See if we can encounter the supernatural. They're going to visit the Oak Alley uh, Plantation and the Starling Occult Shop. We'll be dipping into stories of voodoo, ghosts, vampires, werewolves, and more. And I can't wait to do this. So I hope that you'll join me. 
let's get started on the show tonight. Originally, Jennifer Talley was going to join us to start off the program, but we're going to shuffle things around a little bit because waiting in the wings, we have uh, Jonathan Foray. He is the executive director of the South Louisiana Wetlands Discovery Center and Rougarou Fest chairperson. He is here to shed a little light on New Orleans' strange cryptid. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me. There's a lot. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Drifted in southern Louisiana, for sure. The Rougarou. Now, obviously, we've all heard of werewolves. We've heard of Dogman. Rougarou might be kind of a, a newer title for a lot of our listeners. Can you explain where this came from and how far back do legends of the Rougarou exist? Yeah, so... Um, the Rougarou is our, uh, it's our Cajun werewolf here in Southern Louisiana. And, um, those stories came with, uh, folks that were either expelled from Canada when the, the Cajun expulsion took place and the, the English kicked us out and we made our way down to Louisiana here. Um, so we brought some of that, uh, French heritage with us. Um, and also there were French settlers coming directly from France and brought those stories uh, with them. And the, the original pronunciation of uh, this, this guy is Luke Garou. So it's L-O-U-P-G-A-R-O-U. And that's the French version that um, translates to man-wolf, right? And so over the years, because we became a little bit more comfortable speaking English rather than French, um, <laughs> it became Rougarou because that's a little bit easier for us to say as uh, English speakers now. Yeah. All right. Now, this story comes along. Was it because it was part of the French culture? Do they believe that this creature came with them over from the old country, or this is just the name that they associated with the beings that they encountered once they got here? Yeah, so I think it's it, I think it's probably a little bit of both um, because it's this werewolf kind of character, and then in southern Louisiana we don't have wolves, but up in uh, you know up in Nova Scotia there were, and so they, they there was this idea of a, a wolf man. But as the stories you know were told over the years, um, the, the you know the story of the 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 Rougarou kind of changed, and it was sort of a man dog uh, character. And some versions have him as a shapeshifter. And there are ways that you can be cursed to turn into a Rougarou, um, and there are ways that you protect yourself from uh, the Rougarou getting you. Um, because that was you know growing up as a little Cajun boy, my parents and my grandparents would always say, "You better behave, or the Rougarou's gonna get you." And so it was a, a tale that was used to make us all behave, you know? But mm -hmm. it's also really uh, steeped in Catholicism because the, the French folks that came here were largely Catholic. And so uh, some of the ways that you can become a Rougarou, if you don't observe Lent for seven years in a row, then you are destined to become the Rougarou. Now, I'm living proof that that's not true because I've been <laughs> Fridays and not uh, given up things for the past seven years, and I'm doing okay. So I don't think that that's the way that it goes. And then the, um, the other notion is a witch that puts a, a curse or a hex on you, 
and then you become this uh, this thing that you know. Some versions of the story have the Rugaru, uh, you know, human by day shifting into the animal um, for the full moon. Other stories have the Rugaru as a being that exists and doesn't, you know, shape shift. So um, it's 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 a beautiful, fun part of of our heritage here uh, in Southern Louisiana. All right. You've got such a rich, interesting culture, right, of mixed um, cultures and races coming together in Louisiana, right? And with this comes the different belief systems, the different um, folklore. It is interesting to me, though, that you've got different countries, Spain that was there at one point in France, and they all seem to have their own versions of the same creatures from their own areas. And so many people say, well, how did, how did America get so populated with these beings? Well, because the settlers from these foreign countries came here and amongst them hidden in their masses were these vampires and guru, right. And, and all these different creatures that once they got here, of course, they're going to start to become one with the land. And then the native and indigenous tribes had their own versions of Absolutely. these beings. Do you see actual um, commonalities and threads throughout the different yeah. Yeah. histories of this? Is that yeah. kind of, is that kind of alarming? Because it does make it feel like it's a lot more real when multiple cultures all have a same story rooted in the same yeah. kind of history. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of those similarities, and this is with um, native American traditions here, as well mm. as um, the, the French tradition is the, the way to protect yourself from the Rugaru. And the idea is that the Rugaru cannot count past the number 12. And he's a little OCD, apparently, because you put uh, 13 objects on your windowsill or on your front door. And the Rugaru is mesmerized by these objects, and he will begin to start counting. And he'll get to the number 12, and he does not know the number 13. And so he gets to that one and gets frustrated and then has to start over from the beginning. And so he's busy there counting all night long, sun comes up and he has to retreat back into the swamp. The same concept is with a colander, you know, like a strainer that you strain your spaghetti with, right? right. So you would put a colander on your front door and the Rugaru would come. And I mean, these are, again, these are the, our old traditions and the stories that were passed down from generation to generation. And you go to, you know, the Rugaru will go to the front door and instead of trying to bust in through the door, he'll be busy there counting the holes in the colander, gets to number 12, doesn't know number 13, gets frustrated and has to start all over. So that tradition was similar to some of the Native American traditions that I've heard in the area. So, yeah, there is definitely some well, crossover with that. Now you're going to have me doing sideways glances at my grandson, Declan, because he can only count to 12. So I'm starting yes, to right. think there's something hanging. No, this is so great. My my son, who is two years old, is also named mm-hmm. that. So oh, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. can he count to 12 and beyond? Maybe he's it's up a deck to about thing. 10 at this point. You know, clearly he's up to 10. After he gets mm-hmm. past 10, he just sort of makes noises that kind of resemble those numbers. <laughs> Isn't it funny, right? We create these symbols of darkness, these monsters that if you don't, you don't adhere to things. You don't listen to mom and dad and grandma and grandpa that the Rougarou might come get you. But then the Rougarou 
as clever as he is to shapeshift and sneak through yards and get to your house, <laughs> is stupefied by run, crew, three, four, uh, run comes after 12, right? And that, that's where he loses. Then he's got to start over. This is like the worst mon This is a Scooby-Doo <laughs> style monster, the Rougarou. There's uh -huh. nothing to be fearful of a monster like that. Now, I've heard the, the legend of vampires being OCD and sure. counting. You know, I, I, one of the greatest scenes, I think, from one of the X-Files is when Mulder, I think he's got like a handful of rice or something. He throws the rice and the vampire's like, oh, are you kidding me? And he has to start counting all the pieces. <laughs> um, so I, it, it, it's just such a weird little yeah. angle. You know, is that supposed to be that's, you know, God's way of protecting us as he gives them one fallibility <laughs> and it just happens to be OCD <laughs> and the inability to count? It's the Achilles yeah. heel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, the other, the, the, another part of the, the folklore is that um, the Rugaru is the protector of the swamps, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, my uncle, who um, claims to have had an experience with a Rugaru, um, and he was, I guess, about 14 years old. And again, a lot of this goes, is tied back into Catholicism. And so there are uh, holy days of obligation. And during those holy days of obligation, um, you're not allowed to do certain things. And one of those things is hunt because, you know, you're not supposed to uh, spill the blood of anything on those holy days of obligation. And so um, he was out there on All, uh, All Souls Day, be it November 2nd. Um, and he uh, he disobeyed his mom and decided that he was going to go hunting with his little dog in the woods. And um, so he's out there and he um, comes across you know, this beastly looking character that's mm -hmm. huge and glaring eyes and growling. And he says that, you know, he just turned around, dropped his gun and started running. And by the time he got back to his house, the dog was sitting on the steps waiting for him because the dog took off faster than man's best friend, my <laughs> ass. Right. <laughs> and so, and he shares that story about, you know, he should have listened to his mom and he shouldn't have, you know, disobeyed church guidelines kind of thing. So it was, um, and, and, and so the reason being, but does he believe it, Jonathan, does he believe that? Or was that a story he was selling to little Johnny for a, to keep been. him in line? It could have, it could have been, but one of the things that we said was like, as he was, he, it, he was shooting a rabbit. So he had picked up his gun and he was aiming it to shoot the rabbit. And that's when he heard this sort of growling kind of noise and looked over and sees the Rugaru. So the idea was that the Rugaru sort of keeps everything in order in the woods. And, in the, and he shouldn't have been there shooting on a holy day of obligation. So that was the Rugaru sort of saying, not, not, not on my watch, kid. You better, wow. you better run back to your house. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Catholicism, you're a crazy, crazy uh, religion that you've got all these rules and regulations and so many different things as gatekeepers. Now, I've heard stories we've watched online, uh, you know, stories of, of dogman and werewolf-like creatures that seem to pop up throughout history in the United States and around the world, and they've taken it very seriously. It was in France that there was a giant wolf-like creature that was killing people that they uh, eventually killed, and they've got the bones still on display at one of the museums there, right? So this is something that, again, it's easy for us to kind of joke about, but it's, it's very deeply rooted in a lot of the belief systems yeah. of the people that are there. How often 
is the Rougarou being cited now? Now that we're so much more intelligent, Jonathan, now that it's the 21st century and we're able to theorize and, uh, you know, figure things out so much better, is it still happening or are we not noticing it? Around here, I don't, like, I am not aware of anyone claiming to have seen the Rougarou um, lately. You know, they're mm -hmm. the, the folks that, do have had sightings are older folks um and they'll have stories that go with it but i haven't heard anything um recently and look in southern louisiana we are really facing a challenge in terms of coastal land loss and so all of our marshes and swamps are really washing away at an alarming rate and so look this year we have had so many alligators that have taken people's dogs, unfortunately, and just gotten into people's properties where animal control has had to come in and remove them. There was one, <laughs> there was one alligator that walked through somebody's dog door into their house. You can I saw that video. I've like seen it. A couple of weeks ago. And I'm not sure if it's because it's so hot, um, because we don't have quite as much marsh. Maybe the alligator, you know, maybe the alligator hunters aren't hunting them quite as much as it, but so there's this, you know, the animals are kind of coming into areas where people have established neighborhoods. And so, you know, there's a chance that some of those, some of that crossover and introduction of things that haven't talked to each other in a while might start saying hello, you know? Wow. That's interesting. Right. And I also wonder though, there are beings that we can look through time, right? Slender Man being one of them that just seemed to kind of start up in the 2000s with the memes and the, the contest online. We can track the genesis of Slender Man to an online uh, creepypasta story contest. But yet, if you dig further, you realize that throughout history, there's always been a legend of a creature very much like Slender Man. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you're saying the older people see this. Is that because it's deeply entrenched in their version? Will it somehow morph now that we're seeing alligators more inland? Sure, right. Will this sure. being become more of a, a walking alligator yeah. or crocodile or or different variations that begin to alter the perceptions? Because this is what we're coming into contact with yeah, more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? It's it's a weird concept to think, and I know kind of heady, but when you look at the way the supernatural exists, and it yeah. always seems to alter to our beliefs, yeah. our perceptions, our yeah. creations or right, thought right. forms, tulpas, right. it's right. very strange. I, I, I can't wait to get back out there. It's been a long time yeah. since I've had a chance to be out and about. I, I was there a few years ago doing Wizard World Convention. And, but you know, when I'm brought in, I go to one place and I stay at the wizard world convention, go to my hotel at the end of the night, go back to wizard world. Sure, I don't get sure. to go out and see much. I did get a chance to go visit just a few of the little shops in town, but that was like on my yeah. way from the hotel yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, and I love it. I haven't been there in probably 15, 20 years where I got to actually explore the town yeah. and see these things yeah. for ourselves. There's been so much tragedy associated with New Orleans with the weather patterns. Yeah, yeah. With violence, with the things that are taking place there. Do you think that that's what makes it continue to be such a rich environment for the supernatural, for these it's, type of creatures? Yeah. I, I, 
One, I want to talk about the swamps, but if I can, I want to go back to something that you had mentioned earlier about the Rougarou sort of changing into this other character, you know, like alligator features or something like that. And it brought to mm -hmm. mind um, a vampire novel written by Adrian Barbeau. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with Adrian Barbeau. She was oh, a, sure. She was, yeah, she was on swamp thing the swamp original thing. swamp thing yeah, yeah she was yeah. in creep uh creep show the original right yeah yeah the fog i mean she she she's been in some really amazing things and so um she had actually come down to this area and we brought her to a place that was uh it's called the chauvin sculpture garden and it's really a cool place if you have an opportunity while you're in new orleans and you can head out this way which is a little bit um west um, there's just this, this sculpture garden that's just just so crazy interesting. And when she saw it, she actually put that scene in one of her vampire novels. But in that, the reason why I say all this is the vampire novel um, also has the Rougarou in it. But her version of the Rougarou sounds similar to what you just described with sort of like the alligator parts and everything. And it was more of a, a combination of some of, you know, different kind of creatures, not just a a werewolf kind of thing. So, um, yeah, she's, she wrote two vampire novels that are, that are pretty fun, uh, to read and just a, a, a great, beautiful woman still to this day. Um, so that's, that's one. The second one is about the, the, the wetlands, the swamps that are, that surround new Orleans and, and that, in the area. And there's something hauntingly beautiful about the swamps that are because it's like it's decay like there's so much decay there's rot there's a smell that goes with it right. but there's so much beauty because there's these mm -hmm. you know these cypress trees with the moss that's just hanging down everywhere and it's it just lends itself to be a spooky kind of vibe but also just absolutely beautiful and they're treacherous things all around, right? So then there's the alligators, there's some venomous snakes, there's a whole bunch of critters that you have to watch out for when you're when you're out in the area. So I think it's just the the environment, like the literal environment that surrounds New Orleans, and then just the architecture. So that it's history. it's almost like uh, the elementals of the earth then are taking forms of things like sure. Egypt, right? Where they had gods that were crocodiles and jackals sure. and sure. things of the yeah. area yeah. that are there to protect. We have to take a quick break. Our guest right now is Jonathan Foray. A little later, Jennifer Talley will join us to talk about the ghosts of New Orleans. We'll talk about that. We'll discuss more when we get a chance. Stay tuned. We've got a lot more to talk about right here on the Paranormal 60. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run, maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand 
and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash P60. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Jonathan Foray, our guest. I'm curious, Jonathan, and, and I'll probably talk with this uh, with Jennifer as well, but because there is this air of magic about the area and because of all these cultures coming together and and voodoo and hoodoo and and magic and and all and witchcraft and all of this do you think there's any chance that some of these beings are things that aren't natural but were called forward by practitioners that may have just been stranded you call them forward and and don't put them back properly yeah and and look i mean the new orleans in particular has this long line of um you know uh, voodoo with Marie Laveau, but it's like voodoo and hoodoo, and there are still practitioners of all of those things. And um, there's no look. I mean, y- y- you go messing. <laughs> you look at how messing. careful you're trying to be right now. You're like, I don't want to say the wrong thing here, <laughs> and end up having a gator crawling through my door looking for me tonight. <laughs> you go messing with some- right. That's it. No, that's it. You you go messing with some of that stuff, and you you just have to be prepared for what you're gonna find. You know, um, I tend to err on the side of safety when it comes to a lot of those things. You know, um, it might not be real, but let's not take a chance of pissing anybody or anything off that might want to show you how real these these experiences are. That's my philosophy. That's my philosophy. I like it. I like I'm a man of safety as well. Yes. I try not to offend anyone because I don't know what's coming my way if you do that. I, I yeah, just watching and hearing all the stories that come out of there and and all of the belief systems and you know, curses. And I'm sure that knowing the horrific history of New Orleans and everything from pirates to slavery and kidnapping and and uh, even white slavery and trading and and people trading that was taking place there people of all shapes forms and designs were probably calling forth on whatever god they believed in to curse and cast darkness onto others and that has to have an effect in the long run even if energy if if you don't believe necessarily in the in the power of magic believing in the fact that energy and words have power you could do some damage, especially with that many people kind of focused on anger, hatred, resentment. Absolutely. I, I think one of the things, and I'm sure you, you guys will discuss this, and especially on your trip to New Orleans. I, forgive me if I'm getting this part wrong, but I think it was like Madame 
Lilori, if I'm mispronouncing her name. No, I believe she, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, and I don't, I don't have enough knowledge about this to really talk about it other than, I mean, the woman tortured, tortured, like brutally, just un, unhurt, like, yeah, the lady was messed up, right? And, uh, and allegedly, and, Jonathan, allegedly, <laughs> we don't need her ghost suing you in a court of right. okay. spiritual Thank law. You. Right, right. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for that. Thank you for that. But then, like, I, I believe, and again, I'm not an expert on it, but then she, like, hopped on a boat and went to France, and nothing was ever, like, she was never held accountable for those horrific actions. So there's things like that. You know, there and and you're right. It's that energy, the that residual energy that's left behind by all of that, the pain, that suffering. Um, and and if you're empathic, it's easy to pick up on that and just get mm-hmm. so overwhelmed. You know, so overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there any other beings of New Orleans we should be aware of in the cryptid realm, like the Rougarou? Sure. So um, two, two of my other favorites, um, mm-hmm. is, one is the Lutin. So Lutin is, it's spelled L-U-T-I-N, Lutin. And the Lutin is sort of our trickster spirit, right? Um, mm-hmm. Like my grandmother would say, you know, like um, if she would lose her keys somewhere, she was like, oh, the Lutin, where did the Lutin put my keys? And so it's sort of this little elvish kind of thing that would just make mischief in your life. Um, another popular part of that folklore is, you know, um, and again, this is back in the day when people used horses for transportation. Um, they would uh, wake up in the morning and their horse, the, the horses would be all sweaty from running all night long and their manes would be all knotted up and ratted. And they would say it was because the lutin would get on their backs and ride the horses hard all night long. And so that's why their their manes were all messed up and the horses were all sweaty. Um, yeah, it, w- when in doubt, something goes wrong, just blame the lieutenant. So that's, mm-hmm. that's one of my other favorites. And then um, the third is the fifole. And so like some people pronounce this one um, fufole, um, which is probably more the correct French version. But again, just like, Lutgaru and Rugaru, um, mm-hmm. it's we say fifole, and the fifole is sort of a will of the wisp kind of character, right? So the legend has it Jean Lafitte, who you know was a pirate out of New Orleans, and uh, you, when you're in the, there, you have to go to Lafitte's blacksmith shop, which is still okay. there, which is a I want I think it's the oldest bar in the United States. It's it, it touts that at least. It's a really cool place. Um, and so Jean Lafitte would um, bury treasure in the banks of the bayous and out in the marshes. And he would take one of his men, kill them, bury them with the treasure. So that way, the soul of the man would protect the treasure and protect anybody from coming to get it, right? So people would go out to look for that treasure and they would see this orb of light, which would be the fifole, but supposedly the soul of that man. And it was mesmerizing, sort of like how people say that 
um, like mermaids, the siren song, like they just hypnotize you. So people go out looking for the treasure. They see this light out in the marsh and it's mesmerizing. And so they get hypnotized by it and they just continue walking. And then you never hear from them again. They're just like lost out in the marsh. And then I guess enter the alligators. The alligators kind of finish things off, I guess. I was going to say, do you think I'm, John Lafitte sounds more like a, a skilled practitioner of protecting his winnings because I'm sure he's not out there digging holes near the alligator infested bayous and, and right. So what he does is he lets all the morons think that's where he's doing it. So they go out looking, they get eaten. He doesn't have to worry about them coming to his bar to slit his throat, to take his, his <laughs> booty. Right. I think that's an excellent theory and I can, I'll go along with that. I'll go along with that. Yeah. Well, Jonathan, as soon as I get my time travel machine fixed up, you and I are going back and we're going to, we're going to tell John Lafitte, you're right. We believe you but let's go upstairs and look in your room first. Can we just do that? Let's check your room. I just think there might be more something hidden there. Even if it's a nickel, we'll take it. Uh, great stuff. Uh, Jonathan, tell me and our listeners about the Rougarou Festival yeah, and so, uh, more yeah, about it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the things that we noticed was that a lot of the children weren't like we would talk about the Rougarou and Nobody, the kids were like, what's that? You know, and we're like, what do you mean you don't know these stories? And there was story. So, so we realized that that oral history and those traditions were not um, being passed down to this generation. We figured, what can we do to kind of revive the, the discussion behind um, that part of our culture? And so we thought, what better way? We live in Louisiana. We throw a festival for everything. I mean, there's a crawfish <laughs> festival, strawberry. I mean, you want... You name it, we celebrate it. And so we thought, let's do the, the Rougarou Fest. And so that was our first event was 12 years ago. And since then, we've been ranked one of the top 10 costume parties by USA Today. We got um, we were in Woman's Day magazine. We, uh, we just got this year Festival of the Year in the state of Louisiana for 2023. So it's all just been so much fun and look so we found well first of all i want to thank you because if i know there's one thing about new orleans it's that you guys have lack of things to get partied and drinking about so <laughs> thank you for creating something that allows people Another, to come together there, and drink that was one weekend that we didn't have anything right. so we figured we you could. have i'm just curious do you do you wear like necklaces of milk bones and if werewolves show off their <laughs> You 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 know you throw out the milk bone necklaces. How does that work? It's it's a lot of fun. Look, people get <laughs> so creative because we do have a costume contest, right? And cool. people just get so creative, and it's so much fun. And you know, it's it takes about two hundred fifty volunteers to put the event together because you know we went out and we said, "Whose mama makes the best seafood gumbo?" And we found her, and we said, "Can you do this?" food for the festival and she said absolutely then we had to find the best uh shrimp jambalaya and so we found the people that really cook the best food that we knew in our network and our families and invited them and asked if they would do it on a bigger scale and they were honored you know they were like oh you think my gumbo is the best yes of course i'm gonna cook it for twenty-five thousand people <laughs> good god rugarufest.org we have a link for that up 
on today's program guide so people could find it. Jonathan, I hope that we get a chance to uh, tip a beer at Jean Lafitte's or uh, you know Absolutely. get a chance to hang out. And while we're out there doing our convention, uh, what convention? It's a traveling convention, if you will. We're going to be traveling all over New Orleans, seeing amazing haunted places, great history locations, places steeped in the legend and lore of vampires, werewolves, ghosts, voodoo, and more. You got to come out there, show, share some stories, and uh, tip a couple drinks with us. Will you do that? Absolutely. Looking forward to Excellent. it. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jonathan Foray. Again, we have information about Jonathan and about the Rougarou Fest on today's program guide, so make sure you check that out. Joining us next for the second half of tonight's program, like I said, a slight shuffling of things as the technical world was not working in our favor uh, earlier on. Jennifer Talley is with New Orleans Paranormal Society, and uh, she is here to join us for this next segment. She has investigated the many strange and supernatural claims of New Orleans and is here to discuss her investigations into Marie Laveau and experiences with other unusual and supernatural beings. So help us welcome to the Paranormal 60, Jennifer Talley. Hello, hey. Jennifer. <laughs> Sorry about my technical issues. <laughs> hmm. Now, in the beginning, Jonathan was telling us that one way to tell if somebody's a Rougarou is if they're blonde-haired, blue-eyed, and they have technical difficulties connecting on the internet. You I, have seem the to all I have the brown oh, that... tonight. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> Well, welcome to the program. Uh, this yeah. is awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing you and, and hearing about the ghost stories. And for people that are interested in attending, I don't want to turn this into an infomercial for my New Orleans trip, but it's really your New Orleans trip. It's all of you that live there and are surrounded by this history. And I want to bring my, my viewers, my followers, my listeners to you to get a chance to be steeped in this and hear these stories one-on-one -on -one and be a part of this. So uh, I thank you for coming on to share with us tonight. Um, and, and we're going to talk about so many things, but I, I do want to ask you, I know one of our stops on this tour is the Myrtle's Plantation. Mm -hmm. I, I want you, Jennifer, I need you to be as honest as you possibly can here. Okay. okay. Yeah. Now I was the guy that got ghost adventures into Myrtle's plantation. They yeah. had refused ghost adventures for years until yeah. old diamond Dave got on the horn and made a call. And I started chit chatting and romancing the stone over there. And they finally agreed if I was willing to let ghost adventures come in during the week, instead of the weekend, their busiest time, they would allow us in there. Yeah. And, um, you know, everybody watches these shows and Myrtle's has been on everything and it always seems to have strange stuff play out. How haunted is the Myrtle's plantation, Jennifer? It, it's, it's, it, yeah, <laughs> it's haunted. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. We've actually not been out there. Um, we do, most of our stuff is actually in the French quarter. We've ventured a few times to other places, but, um, oh, so you're chicken. You're too afraid to go there. I understand. We no, yeah, I'm chicken. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, is, it is totally haunted. We get a lot of people on our tours that we do every night. Um, we do ghost investigation tours six days a week. So we do get a lot of people that go out to the Myrtles. And I haven't heard anyone tell me they haven't had an experience yet. You know, that's on my bucket list for when we slow down. I'm not sure when that's going to be, but for sure. But well, I've heard too many stories. I happen to know this group that's going to be there in November. And maybe, <laughs> Jennifer, maybe oh, you need to venture out of your comfort zone, out of the French Quarter, and come hang out with us at Myrtle's. What do you know about Oak Alley Plantation? I know that's another stop on our journey. Yeah, yeah all the same. All the same. I mean, it's just 
so much of our history is just steeped in awful stuff. You know, number yeah. one being the slavery thing, right? Slavery is just, it's awful. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's violent, you know, violent abuse of people. And that, that just leaves that mark of energy anywhere it was. Mm-hmm. French Quarter, plantations, you name it, it doesn't matter, you know? And, and that's, that it doesn't, it, you're going to, you, that's probably what you're going to encounter in both. For sure. All right. And the Starling Occult Shop, another stop yeah. along the way. There's so many interesting places, right? And obviously, yeah. every bar is probably haunted. And if you can't find a ghost, there's definitely spirits behind the bar that we can drink our <laughs> night away sure. while listening to other people tell stories. But um, the French Quarter, this, like I said at the beginning of the show, this is such a romanticized area, right? Anne Rice focused her vampire books there. And there have been so many other shows that bring the the spooky west cravens i think it was west or was it john carp no west cravens dracula 2000 i think took yeah. place in new orleans it seems like vampires in new orleans are synonymous yep. uh like like twinkies and dave schrader they're just two things that go together really well yeah. um why why the french quarter why is that such a hotbed of vampiric activity i mean we're the oldest part of the city this is where mm-hmm. it all started right and the French Quarter is known for being very open to alternative, I hope that's the right word, alternative spiritual practices, because that is what vampirism is. It is a mm-hmm. spiritual practice. Um, some consume blood, some do not. It just depends on their, um, their, their practice, I guess. And so I think that just gathers vampires and all sorts of other practitioners in just this 13 by seven block area now is what it is. It was, it's, you know, what are some people, all the weirdos we call us, we call ourselves (laughs) the stranger. We're the stranger things neighborhood of, of new Orleans. You know, that's just where we all gather. but vampires, I thought, are attracted to virginal blood. And I've been to New Orleans. I don't know that There's not many you, there. <laughs> you have any virgins left. Is it easy, Markins, because everybody's walking around drunk and uh, willing to let you chew on their neck a little bit? So it's kind of like the vampires are like, this is the place to go. <laughs> no, it, it might be. No, I mean, honestly, um, I, I, have, I have. I like how you say that as you rub your neck. No, right? <laughs> like, Maybe. Um, I was at a party last night. Wait, just kidding. Um. <laughs> No, I actually have friends that are vampires, and there's certain there's uh, psychic vampires. Oh, how woke of you, Jennifer! I actually have friends that are vampires, and I, do. I don't want to brag, but Jonathan hangs out with a Rougarou, but only on every third Sunday. <laughs> no, so you I, have I, vampires, right? Friend, yeah. Michelle Belanger is a friend of mine who's a vampire, right? And there's sanguine va- vampires that drink the blood. There are energy vampires yep. who we've all had to work for. Uh, so I understand there are these different too. versions. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but vampires, when is there like a history prior to Anne Rice? Is there history of vampires in New Orleans? There's there's always been. There's been the legend of the Casquette Girls at the Ursuline Convent, where they said that the girls um, who were brought over to marry the French um brought their little cassettes or caskets and because of the way they looked from scurvy that they were mistresses of vampires and you know we had this strain of mysterious deaths and the catholic church even had a position called the vampire hunter and you got a kit and you went and you you 
exhumed of sorts, however, you know, whatever the word would be for it here, because we don't bury um, anyone suspected of vampires and you staked them, you crossed them, you holy watered, you silver, whatever, and you put them back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, prior to that, you know, the practice was in Europe and that's where our settlers came from. So, yeah. Mm. Seems like a lot more work for vampires than the Rougarou. If I just throw 13 <laughs> thimbles on the floor, the Rougarou's screwed. Vampires, they need silver and steaks and holy water, a lot of patience. And I, I'm not that guy, right? No. If I come across a vampire, I'm like, man, do we got to go through this dance? Can't you just suck the guy's blood next to me? I'm really kind of, yeah. it's more like t- Twinkie filling and McRib sauce at this stage yeah. in my life. Oh, um, you're going to be a prime target then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, as long as they could suck off a couple pounds of fat, they're welcome to it. Um, <laughs> now, the ghosts, and, and you know, I know Jonathan brought up the Lalori's, right, and the Lalori Mansion. Now, I've heard mixed reviews from people in New Orleans. There are those that say it's nonsense and that when the fire occurred, they didn't find you know, abused slaves and all of this. That's why she moved on because her house burned and she was tired of the shenanigans in New Orleans and just left. And that's why there was no arrest. On the other side, I hear she was this monstrous being who did these heinous, horrific things, like almost Dr. Frankenstein-like abuse to humans and the slaves that she uh, had, had forced into her working there. Is there a truth that lies between the two or does it skew one way or the other more prominently? I think there's a truth that lies between the two. There's a woman who wrote a book on uh, Delphine Lorie called mm-hmm. Carolyn Morrill Long. I actually attended mm-hmm. one of her lectures. And of course, you know, every walking ghost tour guide tells the story of Delphine Lorie. And, and I was there to say, okay, what's true? What's not? Because Carolyn's a researcher. That's just what she does. And if anyone's going to have research stuff, it would have been her. And, so here's what she said. She said that Code Noir was our slavery law, right? And even mm-hmm. though it was a French law, it carried on in our area because like today, we do what we want to. Um, and so it did have provisions in there for if you violated the quote unquote discipline, it, it's a horrible document, um, of your slaves, you could be fined or, or lose your slave or your rights to own him. So, but the problem is, is that it, it was never enforced hmm. and everybody knew it. And so the horrific abuse of slaves was widespread. And Delphine remember was, I mean, some people know some of the, the history. She was one of the wealthiest women in the, in the city and she flaunted it. So she didn't really make friends. And so when you're, you're, you're at the top of that social ladder, where, where, where does everyone want to knock you down to as low as you can go? So I think that, that realm is called podcasting, but I'm with you. Go ahead. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's part of it. Um, there's, there's, she was never charged. They said that they had found bodies underneath the courtyard, but you know, back when the courtyard was dug up during a renovation, we didn't have any way to date when the death was, we didn't have any way to tell gender or race or anything like that. And at some point we built from the river back. So we just buried in the back of the city. So until 1831 where her house was, there was nothing on there. So was that, were there bodies from her slaves? Was it bodies from just early settlers? We, we didn't know. There were animals. Right. And with the way you guys have it, 
it could have been bodies that were buried a block away that after, I'm not joking, well, after a heavy rainstorm just slid down the hill, right? It just floated down a little bit, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a whole mess of stuff. You know, what, what we can't explain is why did she leave? Her house did not burn down. It did burn, but it didn't burn to the ground. And she had another house to go to. So why did she go? You know, that's the question. Whether or not you can prove what happened or what didn't happen, if you have all this money and all you did was pack up in a carriage what you could take with you, um, you didn't really send for much of your other stuff. You escaped to France and eventually ended up where your in-laws were. But why did you do that under the cover of darkness anyway? Right? If you didn't oh, traveling, any- traveling, I've been to New Orleans. It's hot and muggy. Traveling at night is the way to go here. So let's again, yeah. I'm going to bring some logic to this discussion. Yeah. If yeah. she's going to be in an open carriage, the nice cool night air is good. <laughs> Plus true. she's got all the bones with her. She can throw out to the Rougarou and keep <laughs> them could, satisfied. Feed, feed them for sure. Yeah. Oh, but I mean, that, that's really the one thing that, that peaks right. almost no matter how you feel about that subject. That's right. the one thing we all can agree on is, well, why did you leave? Hmm. Why did you leave and never and never come back? She's buried here again, supposedly. There's no there's record of her body leaving France after her death. There's no record of her actually being interred. But I mean, there was a family tomb built. It is in St. Louis, number one. Um, it's it's effectively unmarked. Um, so why did you know? Why did you leave and never come back? Well, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Paranormal 60, Delphine LaLaurie. Let's bring her online now. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, okay. she's not here. She's ghosting us. So, no, no. Um, yeah, thank you. See where we went with that? There All right. Is. Now, talk to me a little bit about um, you did an investigation regarding Marie Laveau. She is the, what's the proper term? Voodoo priestess? Voodoo high priestess? Hoodoo voodoo priestess? Um. We call, I mean, depends on your practice. We'll call her the voodoo queen. Um, okay. Very beloved individual in mm-hmm. New Orleans, um, like so many, very falsely portrayed in, in TV and movie. Um, in fact, when she passed, the New York Times wrote about her obituary, told, her, told people our beloved Marie Laveau had passed and how mm. many people. So, yeah, we had, an, an, we had an opportunity to investigate the building that now stands on the ground where her house used to be. Okay. So her house was a Creole cottage with a dependency building. So it's just a single building. And then it was torn down, I don't know, accidentally. And what's called a shotgun double was put on there, which is a Haitian style. It's no hallways, basically. It's just one long shot of a house. It was built mm-hmm. on it. And a gentleman purchased the home a few years ago, who is a friend of a friend of ours. And... um for some reason, both sides vacated at the same time. And, um, you know, we asked, hey, why, while it's vacant, friend of a friend, can we go in? Why not, right? How, when are you ever going to get that opportunity? Right. And um, he, he kind of said, oh, yeah, sure, okay, okay. And we thought, well, are you serious or are you not? And so we, a few months passed, and he called my husband, who's also an investigator, um, a few months after and said, what are y'all waiting on? I can't rent the damn thing out. Every time somebody walks in to rent, they turn around. We're like, wait, what? You're waiting for us? Okay. So we went in. That was wild. That, that I would say, um, what we call the demon house is number one on our holy shit moment on 
um, activity. And I think this rivals what we call the incubus house. Um, okay. This, this is like even ground. Um, this was more off, more often. Uh, I, there were inhuman spirits there, but I mean, in your experience, I'm sure you've realized that just because the spirit is inhuman does not mean it's demonic, right? Mm -hmm. There's all sorts of levels. So we encountered some voodoo spirits, some healing spirits that Marie had worked with, um, that a few investigators who were there the day before I got in um, had mistaken them for imps and rats and kind of pissed them off. So we had some damage control to do there. And um, then we, they had called me. I didn't go the first night. They had called me in the middle of the investigation just to ask me, hey, are you getting anything? Um, just because I'm, I'm like the medium of our group in, in my own way. I don't do readings, but I can. I just don't. Um, and I can, it, it, I just know when people I know are, are having issues. So they called me and mm -hmm. they said, what are you getting? And I said, who's the, who's the rapist? I said, there's somebody who would crawl through doors, like knock the bottom part of our sing like a one panel door out. They, and he's killing women. Who's the rapist? I said, I'm getting the name Dave. Well, there was another medium, Kimberly Horn. You actually know him. Her, right. She was there. And what, the investigator who was on the phone with me was basically trying to validate what she was already saying. And I was saying the exact same thing. And I wasn't even in the house. Was mm. not in the house. And so um, he did. Um, what we got from him is he actually lives in the attic. He lived in the attic on one side. And he, we haven't figured out the time frame, but I, I really got the 60s for some reason. Um he would rape women around the neighborhoods and crawl in their house and um, rape them and leave them for dead and have a snack out of the fridge. Oh, geez. Yeah. That wasn't wow. the worst of the energies there. That was not the really? worst. Nope. Well, let's do this. We need to take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll discuss some more of the craziness and some of the other spirits that we can encounter when we visit New Orleans. Again, that New Orleans trip is going to take place um, later on this year. It is November 8th through the 17th. I'll be out there as we investigate ghosts, vampires, werewolves, voodoo, and more legend and lore. You can get information about that at darknessevents.com. That's darknessevents.com. Haunted Magazine, issue 38. Hot Summer Frights is an electrifying edition that will send shivers down your spine. Dive into a world where history and mystery, the normal and the paranormal, intertwine. In the latest edition, we look at the Hell House hauntings, the terror of the Warminster thing, the Borley Rectory, Sin Eating in Shropshire, and just what the heck is the Grampus? You can find our magazine at the website hauntedmagazineprintshop.com and selected outlets in the UK, Canada, Australia, and the United States. So grab your copy today. And remember, kids, don't be normal. Be paranormal. Innovation. Creation. Vitality and joy are the pulse of MySoulTopia.com with many custom creations for the mind, body, and spirit, along with classes in 
intuitive sessions, coaching, and healing energies. MySoulTopia.com strives to bring sophistication with a twist to the metaphysical and the holistic market while raising the community's vibration and channeling the new paradigm, which means new and exciting adventures for all. MySoulTopia.com is utopia for your soul. Visit MySoulTopia.com, your one-stop shop for all your metaphysical needs. Offering hand-selected crystals and crystal jewelry with prices to fit every budget. MySoulTopia.com offers the best selections of tarot and divination cards by top designers. Expertly curated and award-winning book collections with top authors on every subject you'll need on your spiritual journey. My Soultopia is also proud to offer the finest singing bowls and an eclectic collection of the most amazing gemstones, crystals, and crystal jewelry from the top metaphysical designers in the world. MySoultopia.com is always your one-stop shop for award-winning mixes of Florida water, sage spray, and other spiritual protection. So begin your journey with the best resource, MySoulTopia.com. That's MySoulTopia.com. Why mess with the rest when you can start with the best? MySoulTopia.com. Again, that's M-Y-S-O-U-L-T-O-P-I-A.com. All right, we're back. Jennifer Talley is my guest, and Jennifer, again, is with the New Orleans Paranormal Society. She was talking to us about the invest investigation she was doing into the property where Marie Laveau's property once stood, telling us a terrifying tale of a creepy guy named Dave. Aren't we all creepy, but not that creepy. <laughs> and the things he would do. Uh, but you said that wasn't even the worst of it. What other no. beings and energies were you running into in this space? Well, it's very interesting that you know, there's two sides to a shotgun double. And mm -hmm. if you're looking at it, the left side, we all felt what we would call the clean side. And that would have been where Marie's Creole cottage would have been. And the energy there was so different. In fact, we caught some EVPs where we asked Marie, are you still here? And we heard a woman's voice say, yes, I am. Um, and we heard snake hissing and something crawling on the ground as well, which would have been her, either her snake grand sombe or some of his children that are still there. And so we went over to the side where our serial, I won't call him Dave anymore, I'll just call him our serial killer, um, where he was. It, I mean, the energy shifted. It was crazy. Um, Kimberly kept seeing this woman in a tub in the back that she said she didn't think she knew she was dead. Some kind oh. of portal open. Yeah, okay. I know. And you want to help him. And we wanted to help move her on, but she couldn't because she didn't. It was almost like energy was masking over her going, don't, you're not, no one's going to tell, no one's going to talk to you. It was, it wasn't residual, but it was something kind of blocking us from talking to her. Mm -hmm. And we kind of called in someone else as well, just to kind of validate what we were seeing because we all kept walking to the same place in the back courtyard that we felt there was a portal or something negative back there. And so what we found was that there was an energy back there, human energy, who wanted to have the power of a demon. And so through some magical practice and things that this person, when they were alive, found, 
um, there was a ritual that was done and this person sacrificed a family, including a baby. So the mom was made to watch her husband and child be sacrificed. And then she was the last one, which was the order of the ritual. And so having done this, and I think there was, we feel like there's more than just that family, but we feel that, that that's who the woman was in the tub. And so that all of that's being held there was, was being held there by that energy in the back, which was, it was, it was pretty gnarly. You could really feel it. Um, so we encountered that one as well. Um, something kept rolling. Well, that sounds like a charming summer home to visit. Uh, I hope they turned it into a bed and breakfast. <laughs> I know. Well, and, and it's a good thing. We work with the, the archdiocese here. Um, we work mm -hmm. with um, the St. Louis Cathedral, and we do have contact to um, one of their exorcist priests. And um, like his cell phone number, we can text him. I know it sounds probably weird, but so, and we had worked with them on another case where we actually did get an exorcism certification of a property in about two weeks, I think it took. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's how bad it was. Um Call Crazy Larry's Exorcism. You can call us right now at 1-800-555-1212. We've got Reverend Dave, right? So what do you do? You call these numbers and get help so they can no. come out and help clear these passages? That, no, that that's actually a really another another long another story on how we we brought the first demonic case to the archdiocese. We actually brought it to one of our local churches because one of our members had challenged this energy that we weren't sure what it was. I mean, let's just call that how many rookie mistakes can you make on an investigation? Three, two, one, go <laughs> like that, that it happened with a few of us. And so um, this one, this person had, um, it's not a possession. We call it a sliming. You know, you've got to go through your stages for an actual possession. This is a sliming. And this was where eyes turn black, holy water burn, da 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 da. You know, walk, walk that sounds like That sounds like possession to me, but you are in New Orleans and they do seem to accept a lot weirder things there. So well, it, this it, is it, just it, an oppression to us here, Dave. It's not it, as yes. bad as a possession. It's just like a little bad touch. Anyway, wow. show me on the doll. Well, no, this happened all in like a 24 hour period. Right. Yeah, it was not a long period at all. Mm. Um, so we had we had brought this video seeking some help, like, holy crap, like we've done everything we could because that energy had morphed into not being affected by holy water, by crosses, by like it, it eight hours before it didn't like it, and then eight hours later it it didn't it didn't care. It's like, hey, give me more, I'll drink some, whatever. Mm. Do you think that's because you guys weren't strong enough in the belief system behind it, as you said, making a lot of rookie mistakes? Do you think no. at first it was like recoiling nope. to that? Nope, nope. We found we dug a lot more, and we found Jennifer. Um, no, honestly, admit when we're f making mistakes, we honestly we that was part of the that was part of <laughs> yeah. the allure to us with the Catholic Church because that conversation started with you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. To yes, we made all these mistakes, but it doesn't change the fact this property needs help and. We brought a lot of evidence, so we got it. We did get a, a good, a lot of uh, respect, but you know, not every demon's affiliated to Christianity, right? Right. So that's this crazy just one of them. But it, so honestly, when when you bring it to a diocese, I mean, are are they like, uh, what? It's possessed. Do they take it seriously, or does it take a long time to get them to actually go through the steps to certify? Yeah, this place needs help. Um. 
<laughs> this was surprisingly fast. We were even shocked. With uh, honestly, I, I I was the one that saw the priest first and said, "I just don't know what else to do." I know this. I, I said, "I know this is going to start crazy," but dot dot dot. And this is what had happened. And I actually had my wits about me um, during one of the episodes, and I actually took a video and I showed it to the priest. And um, he's like, "Okay, I know a guy." That's literally. I know a guy. I know a guy. Wow. He was an Italian priest too, which made it even better. But anyway, so yeah, I know a guy, and then we met the guy, and there, <laughs> there it was. You know, this sounds more like the mob than priesthood. Are we sure? <laughs> I know a guy. You're getting problems with the demons. I know a guy. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. That's how it yeah. came across. But Just I go mean, down and knock on Chef Boyardee's door. <laughs> Tell him that you want the ravioli plate special. He'll know what you need. Exactly. I mean, it, they knew, listen, the property we investigated had already yeah. been told by ghost tour guides that was linked to dismemberment murders. Mm. Um, and it's, they think it's, most people think it's linked to about three. Um, and this just for, just for the owner's sake, not the Marie Laveau house. Um, the mm -hmm. other property, um, we have it linked to about seven and we have leads on about six or seven more since the 1920s. Jennifer, I'm watching chat and they're kind of blowing up with questions on the video. Is there any chance of sharing the video at some point? Of which? The possession? The, the video that you caught that convinced the diocese that, yeah, I know a guy. Yeah, I actually can. Um, I have right. to give the investigators permission first. We don't have to tell him. He doesn't watch this show. Yeah, he so, does. <laughs> he does. I promise. All right. Well, ask him. And if you can, maybe you could even join us back here on Wednesday for a few minutes yeah. so yeah. we could do a follow-up and show the show because I'm going to be gone for the next two weeks. Uh, so I'm pre-recording the episodes. Fair warning, folks. You're getting brand new episodes for the next two weeks, but they will be pre-recorded. They'll be brand new to you, that I promise, uh, including a, a really cool uh, visit with Reverend Sean Whittington next Monday from Eli Roth Presents the Legion of Exorcists on uh, Travel Channel, Discovery Plus, and, and Max. Um, all right. Yeah. So get in touch with, find out Jennifer. I would love to get that piece of video to show on here Wednesday yeah. night. We'll get you back in and uh, I'll throw out the same challenge to Jonathan. Jonathan, if you've got some footage of a Rougarou that you'd like to share with the audience, then you get it to me by Wednesday. We'll put it on. If you don't, I mean, I guess Jennifer will just look much cooler than you do. That's the main <laughs> thing. Jonathan. No, okay. No. She it, already looks much cooler than me. Yeah. <laughs> In my investigator's defense, it's actually um, the eyes black and um, drinking of holy water and coffee that he didn't know was there. And oh, she freezes up in the midst of it. Uh oh. Yeah. And then the demon went. <laughs> Am I back yet? And that's what happened, Dave. Yeah, you're back, Jennifer. Stop <laughs> jerking around with us. Is that your little game? Yeah, Pretend no. To tell um, me something to just freeze yourself on screen. Yeah, I got you. That's what it is. That's what it is. I do want to say though, at Marie Laveau's house in in the owner's defense because it is occupied. We did have the priest and a deacon from the St. Louis Cathedral come over and do a house clearing and cleansing, and mm -hmm. the the owner was able to rent it a couple of days after. So I just I just awesome. don't want anyone if they're listening or watching that lives there going, oh my god, this is my house. It's fine. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, it's I've okay. I've had over the, the 18 years of doing 
paranormal radio. I've had people in New Orleans that are renters at famous locations that have called <laughs> me to tell me their stories, but they're like, I can't tell you which location. They will kill me. They will literally throw me out of here. I can't tell you, but I can tell you it's real and it's terrifying as hell. So there's three of us living in a two bedroom apartment and we all sleep in one bedroom and leave the other a bedroom alone. So I know that that kind of stuff takes place unless it's just kinky New Orleans. I don't know. Could be a little bit of both. Um, Jonathan, I'll let you go backstage again. Thank you for being here. Jennifer, before we leave, what's another famous ghost or two that you think we should definitely look into when we're visiting New Orleans? Hmm. You know, I, I oh boy. So Starling is going to be fantastic um, okay. because there's a lot of musical ghosts there. And I won't spoil it for you. There's a few famous ones there. A boo, famous man. Boo. Okay. Yeah. Into a past. Um, you know, blacksmith shop is said to be haunted. Fireplace, bathroom by the bathroom, there's a little boy. Um, Andrew Jackson Hotel, for sure. For sure. There's kids there. There's an energy that calls itself master and an energy that calls itself priest who says he's a vampire priest and knows Father Sebastian. Oh, fun. This is going to be an interesting visit. I'm looking forward to get getting out there and seeing this, yeah. having these experiences. I've been there. I went there once for a convention, not, not wizard world, but a convention and for a business I was working at. And we went on the ghost hunt with bloody Mary. That was our indoctrination to the ghosts there with bloody Mary. And, and I always recommend people to check out uh, any of the cool tours that are taking place down there. But um, I've never had a chance to go back and investigate and be in these historic sites and yeah. run our recorders and, and our tools and equipment. And we're encouraging our viewers and followers that are going to join us on this trip in November to New Orleans uh, to bring their equipment. And we're going to get access to investigate some of the coolest, most haunted locations in uh, in the South, if not in the United States, period. Um, very be, cool. Excellent. Yeah, right. So. We're gonna. Yeah. Is that a threat or a promise? I'm not sure how to read that right now. Are you possessed? I'll let you decide after. <laughs> okay. Well, we will. Uh, we'll have a good time and and get out there and see what yeah. we can uncover. Uh, I, uh, I I just can't wait to do this. And thank you, Jennifer, for joining us. Yeah. Uh, thank you to Jonathan Foray as as well for joining us to give us a little insight into the Rougarou and that weird history. Um, I will see you in a couple of months, Jennifer. Yeah, we sure we'll have some good time. We've got information about Jennifer and her organization on tonight's program guide. Thank you all for joining me and spending some time here. And I hope that the darkness is just a little more light with the levity and fun that we bring to this program and sharing these insights and histories and mysteries. And until Wednesday, when I return with the fearsome foursome, that's right, all four of us will be here for Paranormal 60 News. I'm Dave Schrader, and thank you for taking me along on your journey and allowing me to be here with my Paranormal 60. <laughs>